and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm so glad you're here today. My guest today is Jeffrey Deckman. He is a nationally recognized thought leader and award-winning author on the next evolution of leadership, conscious leadership. And oh boy, do we have a fascinating conversation about this. He recently published a book called Developing the Conscious Leadership Mindset for the 21st Century and has won a total of four national and international Stevie Awards, and he is on the Amazon bestseller list. His background is serial entrepreneurship. He bootstrapped two multi-million dollar companies, several nonprofits, and multiple political organizations. And since 2005, he's been a leadership and organizational performance consultant and leadership coach. He's a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and regularly publishes on Forbes.com. So do I. So we share that in common. We share a lot in common. He is truly remarkable. This conversation is so fascinating and it's a very different take on leadership. We talk energy work. We talk all kinds of things conscious leadership wise, and I hope you really enjoy it. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Jeffrey. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I have Jeffrey Deckman with me. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I cannot wait to dive into your expertise today. Well, I can't wait to share what I know already is going to be a cool conversation and time is going to fly by. It is. It is. It is. Awesome. Okay. So you are all about conscious leadership. Tell us how this all came to be. What what did you learn through your journey that made you say, I have got to be able to share this, this expertise and this knowledge with people? At the highest level and my deepest level is that I feel very strongly that we need a more compassionate, a higher level of consciousness in leadership today. Uh, leaders need to see more of the human in the human. You know, I have a saying that says, if you don't love people, you shouldn't lead people. And, you know, people go to work and we spend, oh, I don't know, 50 to 60% of our waking hours in, in work. And 70% of the people are not engaged in their work. And studies have shown 70% of the people want to be engaged. And uh, I think it's a shame that we have human beings that come into an environment that would like to be happy, peaceful, uh, and a lot of time work just kind of sucks that energy out of them. So they go home and instead of, uh, you know, petting the dog, they want to kick it. They have to have a couple of cocktails before they can have a conversation with the spouse and they have to separate themselves from that aspect of their life. And I think leadership is a, uh, a sacred responsibility that we have, whether you're leading just at home or you're coaching someone or you're in a corporate C-suite. Uh, as leaders, we have a responsibility to leave a legacy of healthy people. Uh, and that starts with us. <laughs> you know, I, I was saying this as a first step on the path to leadership is an inward one. And, yeah. and so all the rest, you know, we really got to be self-aware. We got to own our stuff. And uh, then we, uh, we have a little bit of humility and we also have compassion for other people we're working with. Yeah. So. I'm really committed to changing that whole energy of leadership from ego-based to leading like a tribal elder. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I want to dive more into that. And so where did all of this come from? You're an entrepreneur, uh, sold you know your business uh, a, a while ago, but you learned 
um, about leadership through entrepreneurship. So can you tell us a little bit about how your leadership journey was shaped by you know, starting the business and, and having it fail and then starting another one and, and, and growing it over several decades? Well, I, you know, looking back, I, I'm probably one of the most unlikely people ever to have the experiences that I've had. I, I never saw myself as a leader. I'm not a type A, hard driving type personality. I always considered myself a really good second, you know, second in command. I'm a good support person. Uh, what I came to find out is that's really powerful leadership traits. And I'm a bit of an introvert. So, you know, I listen, I have some empathy, I can relate to people, I like people, I like working with them. And what I found early in my career was that uh, that just led me to opportunities. When I was uh, 26, I bumped up against a situation at a company I was working in. I was moving up the ladder pretty quickly. And uh, I realized that I either didn't have the maturity or the dip diplomatic or political skills to continue moving forward. And if I thought I should, I knew how to run a company better than they did, I should call my own bluff. So I, uh, uh, I started my own cable TV company and I didn't know anything about business, but I knew my trade. Uh, so I did a lot of reverse engineering. What is everybody else charging? I guess I have to charge that and I have to try to figure out how to make it work. And we had a pretty good run. I picked up a couple partners. We had offices in Texas, Virginia, Jersey, and Rhode Island, and uh, 108 employees. And so uh, my leadership came from the standpoint of I never really had any money. So I had, to, I had to maximize my human capital. I had to treat people right. I had to train them. I had to help them learn how to grow. And I really had to be engaged with them in order for that to work. And uh, you know, I, I like to like people anyway. So that's that was really why those companies were successful. I didn't have a lot of business skills, but I had really good people skills and I, I knew what I was doing in business. And and then 2005, I just got bored. I'd been in telecommunications for 30 years. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, kind of flattened out. And uh, I just decided one day that I was so bored that I had to leave. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I I struggled with that for a while. And then I asked myself, I remember the questions a spiritual teacher taught me once. And he said, don't live a life based on questions of fear. Live your life based on questions of love. And I thought, okay, well, what would I love to do? Not what could I do, but what would I love to do? And what came to me really strongly was I would love to help owners and executives and small to medium-sized businesses build their businesses easier with less stress than I went through. Uh, because I just love the, I, I love people like that. I, I really respect their commitment. I know how hard it is. I just wanted to help them. And I was looking at the changes that were happening in the business world as a result of us leaving the industrial age. You know, that command and control top-down leadership wasn't working. New generations of workers weren't listening to that. So what were the new models? What were the new, more humanistic models? You know, the, the, the org chart promotes organizations as machines and people as tools. Yep. And that's why we have such such poor engagement. Uh, so I, uh, I decided to get in and just dive into that work. And for the last 15, 17 years, I've immersed myself in it. And it's been a I never really knew quite where I was headed. But each each time I went, I, I learned something new. I developed a, a whole leadership system that helps people go from command to control over to this more conscious leadership methodology that works in, in real world circumstances. Uh, 
uh, I found the new, I found three forces that exist behind the org chart that drive all productivity, tribal dynamics, knowledge networks, and cultures. I've written a lot about that. I do trainings on that. And, uh, I was on a spiritual path, still am, but, but I, it's more about consciousness and spirituality for about 30 years. And I, I saw the need to integrate that into the business environment. So we had healthier environments that, that people could uh, prosper in. and if people prosper, businesses prosper. Uh, but at the same time, because I've, I've been through the trenches, I know it can't be about touchy feeling have to find high level of consciousness with the ability to operationalize and make things happen. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years is coming up with those systems and then teaching them and doing certification programs, et cetera. Uh, it's been a heck of a ride and it's been f absolutely fascinating. I never would have been able to, to anticipate the things that I've found along this journey, but it's been, it's been great. How fun. How fun. So tell us that. So tell us about your system uh, and, and, and how people can use it to build more effective teams, more engaged teams. Well, you know, what we're facing today is our conditions have changed so much. Uh, technology has empowered everybody. So, you know, from the, uh, and from the 20th century to now, the big change is individual empowerment. Technology yeah. has done that. Uh, the new generation of workers are all raised to have input and to have a say in things. Uh, people are tired with uh, what I call carnivorous capital capitalism. You know, we just want something different. So uh, changing that model isn't enough. We have to transform and develop into a new model. So in my study of personal transformation, which I've gone through several, uh, they're always painful but I noticed that, that, that there's a pattern. And uh, the first thing is you need to have a new mindset. Like, how do you see the world? How do you want to be in, how do you see the world? How do you think in the world? And then once you have that mindset, you need a model which you see the world in that reflects that mindset. And then you need actual methods. So the program I have is called the M3 process for leadership, an organizational transformation, long title, but it, it encompasses a lot. And the, the three M's are new, the new mindset, the new model, and the new methods. So I wrote a book called Developing the Conscious Leadership Mindset for the 21st Century. And it's, uh, it won two international and four national awards for its approach. Uh, it's a workbook. It's not like a novel. And each page is a chapter. Makes it, it makes a very clear statement that helps people to become more self-aware, helps people to connect more with their, their, their inner elder instead of their external ego, and provides a lot of insights on the organizational dynamics that exist that allow people to, to learn how to better engage people, not just from a, an intellectual standpoint, but more from a heartfelt standpoint, because that's what we feel from people. So I wrote that book in 2009. And uh, that's, that really gives uh, the premise for this is the mindset that we really need to embrace. Leaders can't be command and control now. They have to be communicators, collaborators, and facilitators. They have to be in service of. So all the work that I do is, first of all, I help them start to grasp the mindset. Some people don't want it, and that's fine. It's just not for them. But those who do, they know there's a better way, uh, and they want to get there quickly without wandering around in the wilderness for a long time. My work really helps them connect with that. Uh, 
and I, I used to be a really unconscious leader. I, I didn't know it. I was more ego driven. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's a painful journey to, to become self-aware and see some of the things that you've done and how to be able to take those baby steps until you get more comfortable. Once you get that, and then, like I said, there's there's a lot of work that I help people see organizations, not as org charts, but organizations are a tribe of tribes. And tribal dynamics drive organizations. So I help leaders see that. And when you start to understand tribal dynamics and, and how powerful that is, really become motivated to engage them more than to treat them like departments or silos or, or whatever. There's a collective genius in our organizations that is really undertapped. And it's just because how we engage them. We have hierarchies that are too structured and we have silos that are too separate. And that's not how people evolve. Uh, we're, we're, we're tribes. The most successful design for human development and evolution ever is the tribe. I want to go back to this whole mindset and um, and the ability for leaders to receive feedback to become more self-aware. Because mm. um, I think that's where this all starts, right? I work with some leaders who have had to learn how to be able to take that feedback and and develop that self-awareness, right? I think for a long time, it's all about protecting, you know, well, a lot of people want to protect themselves, not just leaders, right? How do I build up this wall of deflection, of blame, of not taking responsibility so that I don't feel badly or have to own or admit my mistakes? But it's such a, a poor way to lead, but I think it is so prevalent, right? And a lot of times we hold leaders um, up on pedestals that, and we shouldn't do that because we're all just human. Um, but I think that any of this transformation really has to start with that, right? It has to be, it has to start with, am I willing to look at myself and look at my leadership and, and seek feedback um, and say, this is where I'm falling short and the changes that I'm, I need to make. So how do you, you know, how do you work with leaders to be able to, I don't know, to be able to start to really own some of their flaws, some of their issues, their shortcomings, and accept that feedback so they can start this transformation. Based on the assumption that they are willing to do that work and not only willing, but want to, because that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've gone through your journey and, you know, probably transformation for you where at one point you just looked and said, the way I'm doing it is too painful. And it's more painful than me looking at myself. <laughs> so let me try the other side. Uh, and I give credit, a lot of credit to anybody who's willing to do that because that inner journey can really be filled with lions and tigers and bears. But if, if they're ready and willing, then the first thing I start working on is uh, forgiveness. Forgive yourself, yeah. forgive yourself, forgive yourself. No fair judging yesterday's actions from today's level of consciousness. You know, because as, as you start growing in consciousness, you know, certainly me, uh, I look back and I go, oh, man, I don't even want to look at some of the things that I've done because I'm ashamed of them. And I, I've had to have that worked out of me to say, look, that's just where you were. Those were important steps on your journey. And if you wouldn't have done those, you wouldn't be motivated to be to not be that anymore. So don't go in the rabbit hole. Acknowledge it. Own it. Uh, and then make a decision to work to not be that anymore. And then that's all you really need to do with the past. And then honor that by, and make that work for you, by it being a catalyst for you to become a, a better person, somebody who's, who's more heart-centered, who's more reasonable, uh, 
little less egotistical. So there's a lot of forgiveness in that. And then once the forgiveness is coming in, at the same time, you got to give some tools on uh, how people can begin to start moving forward. You know, we have so many of our problems that live in our blind spots. Yeah. We don't know what we don't know. So we don't even know. And we don't even know it's working against us. So in my book, I've, I spend a couple pages on that because it's so important. And there's an exercise in there that people can use that I suggest they do if they're interested. Be courageous. But uh, and basically you, you reach out to a handful of really trusted people, personal and professional, and say, will you please tell me things you see that I'm doing that work against me? And I promise not to take it out on you. <laughs> you know, then as you as people start to see that and then they start going to work on that, they become motivated because it feels good to work on that. Yep. And that starts to help rinse any of the shame that may have been existing in some of those past actions is you didn't just own it, but you're doing something about it. Yep. Uh, and, you know, when you get in integrity, if you've been out of integrity in any, in any way for a long period of time, whether it's just you're a jerk to people or you're, uh, you know, you're controlling or whatever. And when you start elevating into a different level of consciousness, uh, the rewards of that are so high that you become motivated just to do that more. Uh, and I know some of the things that I used to do kind of regularly on purpose, I would never even do it now because it unsettles my nervous system so much. I get, uh, I get out of integrity with who I know I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not my ego. Mm -hmm. I'm not my actions. I'm not my thoughts. I'm responsible for all of them. But I, I'm not that any more than I'm my dog. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for what my dog does. I'm a much higher, all of us are a much higher spiritual being. Yeah. You talking about that reminds me of one of my employees several years ago. Um, I hired this great, super, super, super smart guy, talented. Uh, but boy, oh boy, he was rough around the edges and very um, harsh, very direct, just actually quite rude. Mm -hmm. But yeah, also was intimidating, his big presence. And uh and people would come to my office and say, oh, you know, this person is doing this and I can't work with him and da, 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 da. But they didn't have the courage to tell him, even though we have created a, a, a culture of feedback, right? It was just too intimidating. It was just too big of a step to be able to go give him feedback. And I remember one in one meeting, he said something inappropriate, came to a head. I called him in my office, was like, that's it. I'm done. We can't do this anymore. And he told me, the problem isn't me, it's you. Nobody here gives me bad feedback. I ask people for feedback and everybody tells me I'm doing a great job. This problem is between you and me. And I was like, mm, no, it's not. I'm your boss. And I'm the only person here who's brave enough to tell you, and it's not going to work if we don't fix it. But I realized like he didn't have the tools, like what you said, to be able to go do it. So I made him do a 360. And I love the comment around blind spots because you're right. Like, you know, you don't see your blind spots because they're blind. And what the, the coach who we hired to work with him through the 360, I love the way she said it um, after they did the 360, that he rated himself in all of these areas. And then, you know, she compiled what everybody else rated him. And the things she's like, your blind spots are the things that you rate yourself high and everybody else rates you low or vice versa. And that was something that was really easy for him to grasp, to be like, mm -hmm. okay, wow, I see myself as this, but nobody else does. That's a blind spot. 
and it was transformational. And, you know, we had to really, you know, work on it. And it was emotional because, you know, he had to look at himself in a way that he had never looked at himself. And that's really difficult. But he came out on the other side as a, a, a fantastic leader. And he always had to continue to work at it. But it was mm -hmm. such a powerful exercise. So I really appreciated that you talked about that 360. But I wanted to add that into it, that especially if you're a jerk, um, that even if you say, I'm going to go, I asked for feedback and, um, and I'm not going to hold it against you. If you've done, if you've burned some of those bridges, right, people might not be honest with you. And then you're going to continue to live in your blind spots. So that's why I think, you know, someone who can come in and really help navigate the situation is really important. But boy, what you can learn when you do that is so incredibly powerful. You know, when I was first doing ego work on myself, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I was like in kindergarten, thought I was, you know, in college and uh, I was doing some spiritual work, going to spiritual retreats and, and I was legitimately seeing some things and, and working hard on it. And uh, I remember I was sitting in a meeting and my controller was in the meeting and my my operations manager, my sales manager. And we were uh, we we're talking about some things. And my controller, for as brilliant as she was, sometimes she would go on something, just go on and on and on and on. I'd be like, oh, I'm dying here, right? I have ADD. So I'm sitting there. And I think I'm doing a great job because I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Right? I'm just, I'm like, the dog in my head is just barking. It's going crazy. Like, I just want to tell her to please shut up. You know, I wanted to, I was dying. Uh -huh. And finally, she like looked at me and she stopped. She said, you know what? You are, you have the ability to be the, like the rudest, most ignorant person I know. And I said, what are you talking about? Because in my head, I'm doing this sit, stay. I got the muzzle. Right? Uh -huh. and, and she said, I said, I haven't said anything. And she said, are you kidding me? I'm sitting here, I'm watching you. You've got your arms crossed. You're uh -huh. sighing. You're yeah. rolling your eyes. You are being so disrespectful to me. Why don't you just come out and tell me to shut up? I'd respect you more. And I was like, oh, my God. I thought I was. So what that, first of all, I, I sincerely apologized. I owned it. I was like, yeah, Joyce, you were driving me nuts. Uh, or something for her to get in that, like, you know, modulate your words a little bit more. But, but what was most important was what that was a lesson for me to just really sit in and say, you know what? It's not enough for me just to sit there. If I want to show respect to the person, I have to measure the energy I'm sending out. I have to monitor my body language. I have to really get good at this. And it caused me to do even more work about what triggers me. What's my ego versus what is a legitimate uh, boundary? Uh, and, you know, how do I learn when my dog is off the leash versus when you know, I've really had enough? And that work, uh, is is really transformative and it, and it helps you at home it helps you it helps you everywhere because it helps you consciousness work helps you in every aspect of your life and when you do it well you see people then become drawn to you they're drawn to that level of consciousness the mentor the elder and it's not because you're walking around saying oh i'm a mentor and i'm an elder if you're saying that you're neither <laughs> it's just who you are is how you function and then people are drawn to you and you don't have to get them to follow your directions because they'll follow your direction. Yep. 
And the direction is authenticity, integrity, respect, that higher level of consciousness. We're, we're, we're wired to follow that. Yeah. Uh, and I've learned that the ones that are the most bombastic and aggressive, et cetera, are the ones who have some of the deepest insecurities. And that's why they've built that, that shell. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and that's tricky, you know, going in and trying to deal with someone who's had the shell because they don't want to look at that inside work. But, you know, to be able to surgically try to go in and try to work with them, it's it's important work. You have to be gentle with it. But if you can get in there and pull that thorn out, it really helps the person like like you had with that gentleman with the 360. You changed yep. his life putting him through that. Yep, absolutely. Well, and it was a great lesson for me, too, because um, I don't want to be like that. Right. And of course we all have blind spots and I'm very, I have a lot of emotional intelligence and I can definitely read a room and I know when you know, I can pick up on all the cues and understand when I have offended somebody, which I don't have a poker face either. Um, it's been something that I've been working on, right? You can't even just really control your face. You truly just have to like get okay with being in the moment. Um, but I learned so much from it too, because I was like, okay, right? I'm on this leadership journey. I was really young. I had been, I think maybe a CEO for a year or two at that point, maybe three at that point. So just like figuring out, um, about this executive leadership and, and how to develop people and how to develop myself. But boy, it was eye-opening for me as well to understand those blind spots and to be able to create a way that people could easily give me feedback without having to go do a 360 mm -hmm. so that I did that and change. And I just actually wrote a blog, um, right before Christmas. And I was talking about like developing as a leader. And I have so many things I look back that are just cringeworthy. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But I'm so grateful for it. And even though I was embarrassed when I made mistakes and I didn't want to do that because I was trying to prove myself, you know, now that now I'm, you know, well, 15 years into this, it's like, ah, I'm so glad I did. Like that, that is just part of the process. Like you cannot become a conscious leader if you haven't gone through and really screwed up mm -hmm. and hurt people's feelings and made mistakes and, and, and have those very visceral, real experiences to be able to say, okay, I want to be able to evolve past this. So that was one of those experiences where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be like that but I still have my own work to do um, and mm -hmm. still do today uh, so that I don't, I don't trip myself up quite as often, especially with how I make people feel, right? Like I want people to walk away feeling inspired, motivated, important, special. And you can't do that if you have a nasty look on your face, if you're annoyed, if you make a rude comment. And so you've got to be really conscious in that. And that's what that whole lesson and that kind of journey has taught me is all that matters if you care about how people experience you. You know, and I tell people I work with, to, it's like, listen, the fact that you're not happy with what your actions are, that's the sign that, that you're, you're good. You yeah. have the tools. There are a lot of people who are jerks and they don't care. They right. like it. So the fact that that makes you uncomfortable, give yourself credit because that if, if you if you wonder if you have what it takes to evolve in the next step right there, that that's all you need to know. And one of the things that I, that I do, because, you know, as a consultant, I have to make sure people don't see me as the one who knows it all because I, I don't. I know what I know. They know what they know. And together we have a bigger no. Right. And, and I, we need to work together to be able to resolve some of these issues. So I, I've created a couple of pillow statements that I give to people that make it easier to come to me and talk to me about things that they 
whether it's a criticism or whatever about me. And one of them is, uh, can I have a clearing? Yeah. Somebody comes up to you and says, can I have a clearing? And you're right away, you're going like, uh, yeah, sure. And then the next is, I have something that I want to talk about, but I'm uncomfortable with it. And I don't know if it's going to come out right. So yep. I, I want to do my best. And what I've found uh, when I use that with people is it disarms them. Yep. And it actually activates the empathy gene a little bit because they're like, oh, okay, so you're having a hard time here. It gets me prepared that I'm going to hear something I may not like. So, you know, it gives me a couple seconds to warm up to it. And we're, we're not in a confrontation. We're in a conversation. Mm -hmm. And somebody's not being critical of me. They're just talking about something that's not working. And those two sentences right away, that, that allows for so much just to open up and unfold from there. And then from there, obviously, I'm looking to keep my dog on. I'm looking to, to monitor my energy, you know, because uh, we all have energy fields and we're all tuning forks. My energy affects yours. Yours affects mine. Whether or not people realize that I do, I, I delve pretty deeply into the energetics and the quantum physics and the biology of what's going on between people as leaders that allow leaders to be able to really create conditions that they then step into that then they can operate within. And it's all, it's like the code behind the video game. You know, it happens all the time, but because we're not aware of it, we can't use those tools. We can't use those dynamics as positive tools to help us lead. Yep. Like what are the energy fields I'm creating? What is yours? What's that affecting with mine? And, and how can I go in and kind of neutralize yours and calm yours down? Because if you can deal with the energy in, in the room, uh, and keep that calm and open and trusting. The communication is going to happen. And if communication happens, collaboration happens. Increased performance happens. Increased profits happen. I mean, that's, that's just a set of dominoes. If you get that right, they're all, you get that headed in the right direction, all those numbers are going to improve. But, you know, you really have to make, as a leader, you have to create the conditions for people for that type of collaboration to occur. Yep. And I tell people communication is the lubrication that keeps the organization going. Yep, absolutely. And without good communication, without good trust and relationships, we're not going to have communication. So it, it, it really gives you a lot of reasons to work on that hard stuff. Yep, I agree. Um, and, you know, I think that, that energy thing is a, is a big deal. I'm very sensitive to energy. Um, and, of course, you know, when I want, like I said, I want people to feel good, even if it's a hard conversation after, you know, mm -hmm. having talked, having interacted with me. And I always tell people this because it's not easy to control your initial reaction, but what you can control is your response, right? Um, I just had one of my teammates, team members give me feedback yesterday and, and she kind of like tiptoed around it a little bit, which drives me crazy. I'm just like, just, you know, let's do what you just said. I give people that advice all the time. Like, Hey, I'm going to give you some feedback and it's not easy for me to say, and I hope I get it right. So please just hear me out. I think you're right. Disarms everything. It, it's easier to engage because that kind of like tiptoeing around it. You're like, okay, somebody's trying to tell me something like, what is it exactly? <laughs> um, and you know, I have, even though like, I feel like I take feedback very well as a leader, I still have like that initial reaction of like, okay, like really, this is what we're talking about. 
And, but in that moment, I was like, okay, I can, it's okay that I had that initial internal reaction. What's my response going to be? And my response was, thank you so much for telling me this. The last thing that I ever want to do is undermine you as a leader. I believe in you. I support you. I'm trying to do everything I can to, you know, speed up your learning curve. And I understand how that felt undermining. And I'm really sorry. That is not what I want. So thank you for telling me that. And as soon as I said it, even though my initial reaction was like a little bit of an annoyance, um, I even felt better because it was true. Like, I do want that. And I'm so glad she told me because I don't want to make her feel that way. It was definitely not an intentional thing. Uh, but that doesn't matter, right? She still felt the way she felt. And, uh, and then I was like, that's how you actually can get okay with your response. Right. And we wound up having this really fantastic conversation. But in that moment, I had to say, it's okay for that initial reaction. Like all humans are going to have initial reaction, but I'm responsible for my response. <laughs> I know, can't and always control that initial like a little burst of emotion that you might feel but you can control your response you know i i say when i feel the surge i resist the urge yeah that's and good. i i just i just want to assess it for a minute i i may yeah. not agree with you but I'll, I'll come at it differently and and what you did in that moment was actual actually a a bit of magic because uh and this is where understanding energy fields i'm a I'm a Reiki master. I studied energy healing. I, you know, I, I had stage four cancer and I used some of that to help me through that. So I've, I've really delved into that. It's a fascinating space. And, you know, what you did was you had a negative energy that was in you. You purposefully brought a positive. You looked at that and said, I, I'm going to convert this into a... So I became curious. You went from anger to, to curious to empathetic etc. And that shifted your energy field, which she felt, but more importantly, you felt it. So you yep. gave yourself an immediate healing in that. Yep. And, and when we understand how much control we have on that, it's, it's not easy, but it's like riding a bike. The more you do it, the more you just naturally, you feel that uh, surge. So you resist the urge, but you know, we have the an unbelievable power to be able to determine the energy that we're putting out. And a lot of times we have to work at it. We have to calm the dog down, do whatever. But at the same time, my inner elder is coming in and saying, who do I want to be in the world? It's just my ego that's that's a little messed up. And ego's fine, but it's it's not going to run the show. You know, it's not going to run the show. So what you did in that moment was really purposeful and they felt the effects and you felt the effects of it. And that's, uh, that's a lot of what I, uh, I teach is, look, th this stuff happens. It's not woo-woo. It's quantum physics, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going on. And here's how it works. These are some things you can do with it uh, to be able to help you understand how to, how to control that type of stuff and lead yourself through that situation and then you become a more conscious leader and people will follow you because you have that elder consciousness. Yep. So many of us never really learn that impulse control. Like I like what you said, when you feel the surge, resist the urge, right? I think we all think we just can be controlled by that initial reaction. And you really can train yourself. And I think it's really important. I love what you talked about, like forgive earlier on. Like mm. I was I was a little bit upset with myself that like I got, I felt that initial surge and then I was like, no. 
don't like that's just being human. Like that is literally just being human. Um, and we shouldn't deny our emotions and we shouldn't try to change our emotions. We can decide how we're going to respond to them. But I've done a lot of self-work to be able to get to that point where, where I am conscious enough to be able to pause in that moment and say, okay, no, this is, this is not how I want this to go. But a lot of people don't, right? I mean, most of us are just have no impulse control and how we feel is what comes out to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the bottom line is we're, we're human beings. We're going to have we're, we're animals on one side and spiritual beings on the other. And our reactions are going to be what they are, but we do have an opportunity to, to turn those into responses. And, uh, you know, I, I like being a human, you know, <laughs> it's the thing that, you know, I laugh at bad jokes, uh, some inappropriate stuff. I'm not overly woke, uh, you know, and, uh, it's how I roll. And I don't want to lose all my edges because if I look, first of all, I can't, but second of all, people can't relate to you. Yeah. And, and then they think, well, I could never be that. So I could never be a leader. And I, I've done a lot of spiritual work and I've seen some people that put the spiritual mask on and they get to a point where they, they have to oppress so many things. They're not even real anymore. And, and I feel badly for them because they're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, find the mix. You know, I'm sure when you walk into a room, you can, you can light it up. You can hang with them. You can do the hey man type stuff. But when you need to be that next level, she shows up. That's Absolutely. an effective leader. Somebody that can relate to and uh, people and people can relate to them. Then they let you influence them and guide them. And man, that's, that's what we're here to do the best we can. And when I screw up, as quickly as I can, I own it. I mean, I don't like going back. You know, what's the saying? The, the best time to eat crow is when it's still warm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I'll do it in a moment. I'll catch myself and go, you know what? I, what I just did was not cool. I apologize for that. Let me back up. Let me own it. And let me move forward. And, uh, you know, forgive me. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> yeah, we all make mistakes. And, and I think that key word is real, what you said. I mean, I think people want to work with real leaders. They want to work for, they want to be inspired by real leaders. And that is always, and, and I think the word authentic gets so over, mm. overused, right? But it's really about being real. And I'm exactly with you. Like, I'm edgy. Uh, and I've had, you know, I, ha I, I grew up as a, a, with, without a dad, basically, always trying to like win over people because I thought that's what I had to do to be loved. Um, I always like to push boundaries because it's got me attention. I had substance abuse issues. Mm. I am the life of the party. Um, and I've let those things like take me down to some really dark places. And because I have such a strong leadership personality, like I can drag people like right off the cliff with me. <laughs> and, and, but I don't want to be like that. Right. I want to be mature, I, well, especially in those younger days, you know, I started, I was named CEO when I was like 29 years old. I want to wow. be mature. I want to be respected. I want to be classy. I want to be all those things. But I also don't want to lose like that edginess. Like that's why I wear my bangs, right? I have to have a classy but sassy haircut. Um, and what I have learned through that up and down journey of trying to figure out like who I was as a leader, how do I knock some of the rough edges off? but still keep like that, what makes me fun, what makes me interesting, what makes me real, but also how I act professionally and how I look at the world and how I inspire people and how do I meld those two things together. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea, like that's for sure. But 
um, really trying to find that realness. And I think that's the best compliment. Like I, I do a lot of public speaking and, um, and I just got rebooked for another event from the same event planner. And she was like, you are so real. And I was like, that is the best compliment anybody can get is that you are real. And, and it's because people can connect with you. So I tell leaders all the time, be yourself. And if you don't know who you are, that's okay. That's part of this journey. Like none of us do, right? We all are, are, are trying to figure it out, but don't try to change yourself, mold yourself, be hard, build up this shell because people want to know the real you. And it's so hard. It's scary for some people. You know, you remind me, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I went to two middle schools. I went to three high schools in three different states. And, uh, all through adolescence. And what I would do when I moved as a freshman from Pennsylvania to Virginia, big culture shock, kind of city to country, uh, I thought, you know what? Nobody knows me, so I can be any personality I want. So I took on this thing of I'm going to be the strong, silent type, as much as you can be when you're like 5'4 and 112 pounds, right? But that that's what I'm, I'm going to be stoic. Stoic's a better word, right? <laughs> so I spent the year in Virginia and then we moved to Maryland and, and I was moving to Maryland. I'm thinking, you know, I'm 16, 15 and I'm thinking, well, that wasn't any fun. I didn't have any friends. Right. So I thought, well, I'm going to be more outgoing and, and, you know, more of an extrovert. So we moved to Maryland. I did that and I had more friends, but like more than I wanted because I'm kind of an introvert. And then we moved to Jersey the following year. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. And on the way to Jersey, I, it dawned on me. I said, you know, I've spent all this time and energy being something yeah. else, hoping I'd be like. And what I've learned is that no matter what it is that I am, there's going to be some people that like the stoic guy and some don't because he's boring. Some people that like the extrovert, some don't because he's a pain in the neck. Why don't I just be me, work a heck of a lot less, be more at peace and have the same amount of people liking me or not liking me, but whoever they like, I don't have to have the face. Oh man, I hear you. It so resonates with me. And then when you're just like, uh, all right, I got to like myself and I got to be myself because, uh, yeah, it, it is a lot of work and it's very self-destructive. Like my trying to be liked, um, led me to substance abuse issues and, and, you know, a lot of other things, not feeling like I belonged, feeling purposeless, like this whole thing, but it was all stemming from like, I was always trying to be what I thought people wanted me to be because they liked me. And I thought, well, I have all these friends and they like this version of me. There's no way they're going to like the real me. And oh my God, I spent, I, you figured it out much younger than I did. It took me overdosing when I was 27 to finally be like, okay, um, I have a new opportunity at life and I um, am going to figure out how to like myself, how to forgive myself and be myself because this clearly it's not working. <laughs> I'm, I'm 10 years sober. Uh, yeah. November 17th was my, my 10th year. So, you know, I, I, I had my own little uh, roll around the wheel there. And, uh, and my daughter got uh, really tied up in that. Uh, she's doing wonderfully now. But, you know, uh, she, she had an accidental problem with opiates. Yeah. And once you get into that, it's really hard to get out. And she really, really had such a tough time with it and brought us much closer eventually. But, you know, she's married with two beautiful babies now and doing great massage therapists. But, you know, we've done so much work, both of us, to look at, give ourselves credit for having the character to come at 
we went, we willingly went to hell unknowingly, but we found our way out. Yeah. So, man, you got to love yourself. You got to trust yourself. If you can go there and, and get out of that, because yeah. you can get some help, but it's, it's a moment by moment decision. It's yeah. all you. And yeah. Man, what, what a proving ground. Mm-hmm. What a powerful proving ground. So, uh, yeah, I, I told her, I said, you know, you had to go through that to become, so you could see who you actually are. Totally. I'm so grateful for it, even though it was horrible, miserable. I hurt so many people. I hurt myself. I'm so grateful for it. You do. Sometimes that's, those are the lessons that you have to learn to, to get on the right path to the life that you're supposed to lead. And, you know, if you don't go through those things, I mean, I've been through bankruptcy. I've been through divorce. Uh, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I was an alcoholic. Well, I guess still am. But, uh, you know, and I, I've done some I've done some things I just look back on and cringe. But you keep going. You just keep on going and believe in yourself. And the fact that it bothers you is a good sign. Just don't give up. Yeah. You know, nobody can make me give up. I can choose to stop doing something that may not be healthy for me. But n- Nobody can make me give up. That's, that's what stage four cancer taught me was I win. I don't know how, I don't know when, but until I lose, I win. Yep. And then even then, better bury me twice because I'm coming back. And just that mentality of just honoring yourself, yep. not necessarily your actions. We all do, you know, we're here. It's, it's a one room schoolhouse. We're here to learn. So this is, and I often ask myself, what class am I in when I'm being challenged? Uh, you know, uh, somebody will be doing something that's really irritating me. And I'm just going, what class are you in? Yeah. Tolerance, empathy, patience. You don't know how they were raised. Can you connect with them, but still hold your boundaries? And, you know, just it's a big classroom. And if you just look at it that way, and the minute you turn something from something that may feel negative to what class am I in, you've empowered yourself and you've turned that thing into an asset because you're going to make it work for you. And yeah. if the tuition's big, that just means you got a phenomenal education. And, yeah. you know, sounds like you went to Harvard. Sounds like I went to Harvard. <laughs> we yeah. right. ate the class. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why put the pun in dysfunction? Oh, my God. That is for sure. <laughs> awesome. Everybody has their story. Everybody's worthy of respect. And if you're in yeah. there trying to do your best, just keep doing it and rebound. Yep. I hear you. Well, I could keep talking to you about this all day. I knew this was going to be such a fun conversation, but um, we have to wrap things up. So uh, where can people find you? How, how do people find you? And I'll include it on the show notes, but I would love to hear from you the best place. Yeah, uh, go to my website, uh, jeffreydeckman.com. I have a ton of free information in there. I have uh, my own YouTube channel you can access through there. It's got a bunch of short videos in there that really help you start getting your head around some of this self-awareness type stuff, as well as some other thing. A uh, lot, of, lot of blogs, articles, et cetera. So uh, you can also see the training classes that I do. And, you know, I coach. You can reach out to me at Jeffrey at JeffreyDeckman.com. And, uh, you know, I talk a couple times for free just to see if there's a, a match, if I can help you, if you think I can help you, and we go from there. And uh, my stuff is about attraction. It's not selling. I, I do what I do. And if people are drawn to it, awesome. We can do great stuff. But uh, my website's probably the best place. And I Google well. Very good. I write for Forbes. So you can go into Forbes.com. And I've got articles in there on the next evolution of where business and organizational design's going. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. This was so much fun. Yeah, it really was. Thanks. All right. Hang tight and I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeffrey. What a great guy. With that, I will leave you to your day. If you like this podcast, please write a review. Go to iTunes and 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 subscribe to it. Go to Spotify. Go to any podcast platform and uh, subscribe to it so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to rate it and write a review. That always helps with the algorithms and spreads these amazing stories of leadership inspiration. In fact, I'll just leave you with one quick thing. I was talking to my director of HR the other day, and we were talking about the culture that we've created the Stone Age and really how remarkable it is. And we were talking about my leadership journey. And I told her that I have really honed my leadership thinking, my leadership skills, my leadership philosophy since starting this podcast, because I think about leadership so often. And I talk to amazing people who are thought leaders, in leadership who are building companies, who are building cultures, building teams, and it really does make a big difference. So if you want to be an impactful leader, if you want to be a leader who changes the world, who really creates something that's unique and different, then immerse yourself in these things. Talking to people like Jeffrey and all of my other guests, I have just expanded my thinking so much because I just get knowledge bombs all the time. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Okay, now I'm really going to leave you for the day. We'll see you next week on an Advice from a CEO episode. Take care.